Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch. This is Priscilla McKinney with you as always, the mama bird and CEO here at Little Bird Marketing, but with me is one of my good pals and my agency friends. And um, you're going to kind of be in for a treat today because we're just really going to shoot the shit. So welcome back to the show, Peter Leviton. Well, hello. <laughs> is that, boy, that's a compelling intro. Well, we're friends, so full disclosure here, and we like to talk about all things um, agency life, but also just give everybody a little juicy tidbit about where you live. Well, I happen to live in Mexico, and uh, as I was just telling Priscilla, I have uh, already have at least three or four agency owner types who have come down to my town, San Miguel de Allende, and they've come down to check it out because I live here and because we can all be digital nomads these days and because the cost of living is 30% of what y'all are spending in the United States. And I live in a giant house that probably would cost me uh, trillions in the States. And because I like to eat tacos and I like Mexicans, I live here. <laughs> I love it. But, you know, I think that some of the things that you're saying apply to me here in, in Joplin, Missouri. And, you know, I live across the border over in rural Kansas and having grown up in Madrid and you lived not only in New York and ran amazing agencies and London. So um, the funny thing is, is that here we are living relatively rurally. And I, I think it's just about quality of life. So I agree with you. And I'm sure that you would say the tacos are better in San Miguel. Um, and you might be true, but we have a really good place here called Lalo's. And next time you come to visit me, Peter, I'm taking you there. All right. And when I'm in Arkansas, I'll just head north. Yes, exactly. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, don't get scared about the Ozarks. It's okay. So Peter and I have been really good friends for a long time. And full disclosure, I actually hired him at one point because he's so freaking smart. So the kind of uh, information that he knows about from, you know, managing um, big accounts from Nike, I mean, you name it really, like the kinds of things that he's been on has been a little bit crazy. So he's a great resource for me. But one of the things I love about Peter the most is that he's just very free with his information. And also, even though you've been in this industry for so long, um, you're, you're not really um, um, bitter like some people I know in the agency world, but you still have that real sense of curiosity about what's going on in the world. How are people getting to market? And so it, it, it ends up having a, a very, we're very quickly into a conversation of, oh, well, isn't that interesting? Well, what do you mean? Like what's going on with that? So I thought today uh, you and I are dealing with more and more clients who are asking us about um, account-based marketing, um, ABM strategies, and you and I know a thing or two about them. And so I thought we'd start with that. And I think it would be really enjoyable to my audience um, to have us pull the curtain back a little bit and, and kind of bring the anxiety level down. People sometimes are going, well, I'm supposed to know what ABM means, but I don't. But then I heard it in the meeting. And then some people really know what it is, but maybe they've hit a point where they're stuck and they're not able to figure out, well, why, why is this account-based marketing strategy not working for our team? So let's just shoot the shit about that, Peter. Well, I'll tell you something to start off. Uh, a few years ago, I had a client, an agency in Dubai, which uh, unfortunately I never visited the guy, but I would have loved to. And he said at the beginning of one of our meetings, I want to talk about and get your input on account-based marketing, ABM. And I had frankly never heard of this thing. I'm going to say six, seven years ago. And I said, explain it to me. So he explained it to me and I said, oh, you mean direct marketing? <laughs> it's like, okay, one to one, one to few, one to many, whatever you want to call it, direct marketing. And so I, I was, I made some notes before the meeting. One is ABM simply means account-based marketing, which means you're marketing to an account or a person 
directly, as I said, direct marketing. And our world gets crazed because of these um, uh, three-letter terms. I also wrote down <laughs> TAM, Total Addressable Market, which is, doesn't work for advertising agencies because you don't want everybody to be your client. How about another one? ICP, Ideal Customer Profile, and my favorite, KPI, uh, key performance <laughs> indicator. The bottom line is this is direct marketing. An advertising agency, a marketing agency, a digital agency decides what clients they want to work for, and they go out and directly target them. And, you know, I like to bring this up with clients and start with just, hey, so what's your wish list? And a lot of times when I say, well, you know, in the next two years, what, what logos, what brands do you want to have worked for? You know, and I try and kind of ease these things in and, and walk away from the jargon and walk away from that ego, which is where I think you and I always end up having such an interesting conversation. But a lot of times people say, oh yeah, we want to work. We have, we have a wish list." And I'm like, oh great. Let me see it. Oh no, it's just kind of more of an idea. No, then it's not a wish list, and it's not, and I can't right. make an account based marketing strategy based on just some thoughts that you have in your head. And it is so interesting to me over the many years that I've done this that I I think I've only had one client actually be able to produce. Oh, here's the list. This is the one we talk about. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, now we're going somewhere. So I think it's interesting. We can talk about ABM all we want, but what is it that they're doing? And is that really a good growth goal for, for where this company is going? Is that going to work for them? I'd almost say the first thing I say to agencies is uh, develop your criteria for who you want to work for. What, what does that client look like? What, in fact, does that ideal client work for? Think about your experience, your skill set, who would be interested in talking to you? And uh, start start creating that list. Uh, it's it's of course you know what I hear from most agencies, and I have to say most, and it's just bizarre. Is I ask them who would you like as a client? And they say you know Nike or Adidas, or Adidas if they're from Europe. And I'm like okay, fine, I I I agree completely. Uh, that's a wonderful goal. But all right, now let's let's get a little bit more fine tuned. Uh, you might want to be in the athletic footwear business. That's fine. Well, there were probably ten potential clients. Now let's think about them and let's develop that list. But it's the criteria that, for some reason, incredibly busy agencies, and I've never met an agency that didn't say they were almost too busy to do this. Uh, just just can't stop for three hours and write the list of criteria. Who do I want to work for? Think about why they might want to work with you, right? What's your skill set? What's your history? What's everybody's history in your agency? And write that list because you can't do direct marketing of any sort without knowing, obviously you're going to know what you're selling, but without knowing who it is that you want to direct market to. Well, this is the, the, just the clear explanation of why you and I make the big bucks. Okay. So I work with the clients who have not done any persona work at all. And yeah. so they can't seem to stop. They're like, no, we don't have time. We don't have time. I make clients stop in an onboarding for two days straight, Peter. And inevitably after those two days, I always get, oh my gosh, Priscilla, I can't believe how much we got out of that. We should have done that a long time ago. You know, it's just amazing. I'm like, you know what? It's not like I'm doing anything that's totally magic. Yes. I've got a really good system. I don't have the answers and I do, you know, have a very organized system I created, but it's like, they don't stop and do that, but that is the very first thing that needs to be done. And then I, I'm going to give you a shout out here for your book, how to win more pitches. So you talk a little bit about that, but the funny thing is then you get paid to tell the agencies exactly that. Like, look, you are not exempt. 
You have to also create your most ideal client persona because the moment that you think that everybody is your ideal client, nobody is your ideal client. Well, this is true. You know, the what here's what happens with agencies, and we, I think we all know it, is um, how do they get a client? Number one is a referral. And that works two ways. One is uh, referral is a great way to get a new client. Unfortunately, for many agencies, it's the default, which means we don't do anything else. So therefore, we get clients from a referral. When I worked at Saatchi, it was almost all referral business or at least awareness business. That's nice. So the second one is awareness. If a client is looking for someone like you, they need to be able to find you. And this is something I find mind-blowing. You know, the, the agency is not on the right list. Uh, they're not in the right trade group. You name it. They are, they're not being found. Somebody's looking for an agency that does X. And if they can't find you, you've got a problem. Okay. The third, I won't go into this uh, too much, but you know, you, you're going to grow if you can grow your current agency clients. Okay, all of that said, the next thing you have to ask yourself is, who do I want to work with? And I, just, I, I say this over and over again, you just said it, we could say it forever. Just stop for a minute, 10 minutes a day, two days, and create that list. And if you can create the criteria, then go find the kid in the Philippines that'll fill out the spreadsheet for you. So I know you're really busy and you don't have the time to do this. Find the kid in the Philippines, find the kid in the marketing school in, in, in your town, hand them the spreadsheet, let them fill it out, give them enough criteria that they can do it. Tell them you, and now, now we're in the nitty gritty. Who is that person? What's their title? What's their email address? What's their LinkedIn profile? You name it. You create your own spreadsheet, but you can go hire a third party to do it for you because this is this is unfortunately a barrier to success is saying, I don't have the time to do it. And I hear that unfortunately every day from marketing agencies. Yeah. And I feel very strongly, no, you don't have the time to not do it because working in for years and years without that strategy, you don't have the time to work years and years for it. So if you want to shorten the time to make your goals, then you're going to need to stop and do this. So I do want to stop just for a second before we get into really just talking about ABM and like, what are some things that we can do? I think it is helpful. Talk just a tiny bit about your book, um, because I do think that it is so inextricably tied to account-based marketing strategies because it's about honing in on your pitch. All right. I missed something that you, I missed a word that you said, what do you want me to talk about? I'll talk about anything. You want to talk about the Super Bowl? No, you were. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the Super Bowl. And I know these, uh, you know, you never me- you never mention in a podcast uh, an, uh, an event because then people go, wait, wait, wait a minute. Was this 2006? All right. Sorry about that. All right. Keep going. What, what oh, do you want me to talk about? I want you to talk a little bit about your book, because this oh. is how you serve, uh, you know, agencies about honing their pitch and honing your pitch has a lot to do with being really in touch with your account based marketing strategy. Well, I always say one of the things I say is don't 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 pitch. Don't be in a pitch that you don't think you're going to win. And this is uh, now you might say to yourself, well, I mean, I have a chance of winning every pitch. And frankly, I have to tell you, I, I have been surprised sometimes at winning business that I did not think I deserved. But really understanding when when you do get an RFP or an RFI, uh, you look at these guys and you say, are they really going to hire me? Because you know that your chances are one in five, one in six, one in 10. I mean, the odds are not uh, are not very good. So in the, just like with ABM, I mean, just do not spend your time thinking about people that you don't think are going to want to love you. I mean, it's, it's like dating. Uh, well, yeah, it is kind of like dating. Um, I, I'm not sure if that answered com- clearly because, you know, the book's 300 pages. So there's a lot of chunky stuff in there. But 
Um, one of the key things is make sure that you're not in a pitch because it's so time consuming and, and it's just kills can kill your staff. That is the wrong client. So it's really up to you to sit back and say, well, you know, again, I'll go back to the beginning. What are the clients that deserve me, my agency? Yeah. And I think you and I have talked a lot about like, what is ideal for you? It's, you know, one of the things I identified is that they do have to really respect our expertise, right? <laughs> because, um, you know, digital marketing specifically and lead generation marketing is not one thing. It's a million little things. And when we have a, a client who kind of wants to get more involved, like wants to cook with us <laughs> too much, sure. it, it, it can be very complicated. And so we had to parse out very specifically what kind of a person we would want to work with. And so some people do this about logos. Like you said, they might start there like saying, Hey, I want to work for this company. Then we might need to get into roles, but we also need to get into probably some psychographics about the kind of people who let us do the quality of work that we do. Like what we have to also totally understand, like what kind of freedom do I need in order to yield really great results? Do I do really well with a client that sits over my shoulder? Do I do very well with somebody who's also the CEO? Let me just tell you right now, the answer is no. <laughs> and we've identified that because, you know, it's very hard for CEOs and owners to actually hand you a baby. You know, they're, they, 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 they'll fight you for it all the time. And we find that our ideal client is this person who's, uh, who, who deeply loves the company and either who's, uh, and either, you know, in intrinsic value or even, uh, goals and, and bonuses are tied to the revenue making goals, but they don't have that emotional, personal connection to the brand that, that will keep us from really making significant moves. And I bring that up just to say, Look, it's not, you know, it's not the same for any agency. It's not the same for any client. But the whole idea of account-based marketing is to say, I want to focus my growth strategy and I'm going to narrow the field. And by narrowing the field, what you said that I hope that I'm only going to go into a, a pitch that I think I'm going to win. And also there's a small other piece to it that we also hope that we can shorten a sales cycle. Now that may not always be the number one goal there, but in effect, it's about using your time more efficiently. So that's the basic of ABM. So now let's just talk about a couple of things. Let me hear from you, Peter. What's emerging? Why are people, you said this guy in Dubai was asking you about ABM or you, you wanted to bring that up to him and he was like, oh, direct marketing. Yeah, I get it. But what are you hearing right now? Why has there been, you think, a renewed interest in account-based marketing? To find the right lover is a, a nice objective. And I think many agencies are realizing that we're in an industry where um, the margins shrunk a bit. And so you want that right client and spend the time. Again, we'll go back to building the list for a second. Spend the time thinking about what that client looks like. And there are, there are some great, I mean, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no, no such thing as a blind date anymore, right? I, and, you know, in my youth, I went on blind dates. I didn't know what the other person looked like. I knew very little about them. Today, there's, there's no reason ever that you shouldn't know almost everything about the person that you're, you're pitching. So to, to, to that point, one of the things I found a long time ago, uh, we all look at LinkedIn and we look at what the, what the person did, where they went to school. You know, they was, oh, they went to Brown. Well, my cousin went to Brown, you know, all of this kind of stuff like that. Uh, one of the things I find most interesting uh, when I'm trying to study somebody on LinkedIn is I look at uh, how people recommend them. 
how the third party talks about them. What can you learn uh, from the third party? And I, I used to have a very specific guy that one of my agency clients was pitching. And what, what we discovered when we looked at the recommendations was everybody said, Bob is a detail-oriented guy. Okay, so the pitch that was developed for Bob and and Bob did choose that agency uh, was had a lot of detail in it where you even say, Bob, we're really into detail. Okay, Uh, what are the triggers that that people have? And there's um, there's absolutely no way that you shouldn't be targeting people now that you can, to a certain extent, know everything about them. This, I'm going to say, however, this is almost the easy part. Okay, the next part, and you've heard me use this word, is how can you be unignorable? Okay, it's one thing to understand, Bob, but what can you say to this person? And I'm not just talking about a pitch. I'm talking about way ahead of the pitch. Uh, What is it that you might say to them that's going to get their attention so that they actually start to pay attention to your company, to what you think about, what you say? And this is occasionally a long process. I mean, it can be, and you know, if you get them on the right day and they want a new agency, fabulous. But most of the time, it's, it can take a year. How do you get their interest? How do you be unignorable? And it's easy to say uh, it's not as easy to do, but it's a good objective. Mm. You know, one of the things I'm hearing a lot is also a lot of friction between sales and marketing departments. And I find that thinking through the account-based marketing strategies is actually doing a lot to bring these different departments in, in the company together because they're starting to understand, you know, we've, we've got to go out after this together and the pitch, like the, the bait and, you know, is, is going to de- de- determine the kind of fish that we get. Um, so, you know, when you're talking about like getting, you know, very specific about who we're going after, what are you hearing? Are you talking initially with the salespeople? Are you talking initially with, you know, the people who are putting the actual pitch together? What, what are you hearing one way or the other? Well, I think if you can do it and you can talk to more than one person in a company uh, that works, um, you know, we, it's uh, in the olden days. Remember, we used to have uh, water coolers and water fountains in, the, in, in any company and people would meet yes, in I the do. morning. Uh, remember that? They'd meet <laughs> I at, do. At, at, okay. Or, at the, at, you know, at the co- thing that uh, the, the coffee machine, uh, what you watch last weekend kind of thing. Um, I think the world works really well when two people say, hey, I just got this white paper from this company and they talked about one of our key issues and the other person says, I got it too. Okay, so I don't think you it's clear who is the decision maker in companies, you know, often and one of the one of the groups of people that I I will often say, uh, tell an agency to go and try to make friends with is a CFO, because the CFO is not inundated from. Uh, outreach from marketing organizations. Uh, but why not the CFO, the CMO, you know, all of all of those C people, right? Um, there's absolutely no reason that you can't personalize an outbound message and outbound insight and uh, talk to each of them as individuals. And there, there are digital water coolers now, and they do talk to each other and say, did you see this thing? Oh, I love that. Digital water coolers. I could not agree more. You can and- use that. I'll, that's, okay. uh, I'll send you a bill. Okay. 
let me think of some good ones I could exchange with you. Right. <laughs> you know, when we teach social influence for B2B uh, influencers on LinkedIn, one of the things I talk with them about is really the error of actually going and connecting. So I'm out, let's say I'm out after this person at Mars Wrigley, and this would be a really ideal client for me. And so I'm nurturing that I'm connecting with them. Well, Mars Wrigley is a huge company, right? Well, why am I not connected with 12 or 1200 people at Mars Wrigley? Like it makes no sense that my approach is just so singular. And I think that when we talk about direct marketing or um, account-based marketing, sometimes people get so singular that they're not really understanding the ecosystem that these people are living in. And that's what I totally agree with you about. That's a digital water cooler. There are some people that you need to connect with, even in an account-based marketing strategy that really are people who belong in that person's ecosystem. And I think that's an interesting nuance that most people either, number one, don't realize, but number two, maybe they don't even care. They don't want, that's a lot of time investment, you know, but let me tell you how much easier it is for me to be pitching and sitting across from a CEO. And, you know, I connected with him on LinkedIn and he sees I'm connected with 1200 people at his firm. Right. <laughs> that's a very different, you know, approach. Well, the bricks and mortar metaphor there uh, was something that I learned when I started in the business. Uh, I, my, my first huge client was General Mills. And I'd fly from New York and go out to Minneapolis and I'd go into the General Mills headquarters and I'd go see uh, Tom, the marketing director for, let's call it Cheerios. And my guys in New York, the smart agency people in New York would say to me, okay, if you're going to go visit Tom, why don't you walk down the hall and stick your head in everybody else's office? Hey, I'm Peter. I'm from uh, Saatchi and I'm um, here on Cheerios business, but gee, you work on uh, some other brand. Okay. A brand we don't work on. I think we have to ask ourselves, even though we're in this digital world, what is the equivalent of that? What is the equivalent of walking down the hall? And as we just talked about, you know, the equivalent of the digital water cooler and I, somehow we get lost in this kind of digital world where we don't realize that actually we're dealing with humans. And again, this goes back to the idea of targeting. Uh, who is this person? What, are, what, what can we suss out in, in terms of persona development of the kinds of things that are going to turn them on? Well, I often say to my agency clients, look, if you send something brilliant to somebody and they're not interested in it, then you don't want them as a client. Because I, like everybody, get, I get a lot of stuff that comes in my email, et cetera, all, all sorts of different ways. The stuff that is of interest to me that adds value, I will read. And I, I so let me use a, a statistic. I just found this the other day. RSWUS does an annual study of uh, um, business development and agencies. And they ask the question of clients, do you read marketing agency blogs and newsletters? And the uh, marketing directors of potential clients, 70, 77% said yes. All right. So, yeah, we're inundated. But if you send something, something they want to read or they find your blog, which we know is harder and harder every day. But nonetheless, if they find it, they will read it. So it's incumbent upon the agency to get off their ass and stop saying I'm too busy and do this, because at the end of the day, what they want is more money. Mm. Right. Well, this is the thing. People say this to me all the time. Why are you writing more content? You know, people are, you know, have the attention span of a goldfish, you know, and they don't read and they don't read. And I'm like, are you kidding me? We read tons. We no longer put up with stupid content. 
that is true. Like, and right. yes, it is harder for things to be found. And so of course you need agencies like mine to help you your stuff be found and be heard yes. above the noise. But it, it, all the tips and tricks of getting seen is not going to work if the content isn't good. And kind of a, another question that goes alongside that, a lot of people say, well, how long should this blog be? I'm like, it should be as long as until you're boring. And when you're boring, stop. You know, so if you can only make it three sentences and that's your blog and it's so riveting, I love it and read all three of them. In fact, probably reread it. Then that's a wonderful blog. And if you, I make it three pages and I am enthralled, then make it three pages. Well, I I wrote a a blog post today. Uh, You know, it's hard. I've written over 800 blog posts since I've been doing my consultancy. And um, so a question I've got is, you know, and I've got obviously, well, I should say, obviously, I have a content plan. So I know the next five good ones I'm going to write. I'm actually lying. Maybe I'll know the next three good ones. But I found um, from Scott Galloway today a chart which said that one sixth one sixth of Americans are not sure that the earth is round. So I wrote this really quick blog post that said, what do you do as a marketer if a sixth of your potential audience, that's 55 million people in the United States, are not sure that the earth is round? (laughs) What do you do about it? And I remember the David Ogilvie quote where he says, remember that the consumer, his word, the consumer is your wife. Right. So uh, we, you know, often or have sometimes denigrated the potential consumer for the products that we're selling, whether it's B2B or B2C. Uh, Ogilvy wrote this great line, which if you haven't seen it, just look at some David Ogilvy quotes. But I turned the one six into the question, um, how do you communicate with people who, um, uh, you know, don't trust information? Right. Uh, all right. To make a long story short, uh, I, I said, OK, the, if you're if you're trying to sell something uh, if, to people that think that the world is flat, I, I said, then go get a matzah account. All right. I mean, you know, this is how you use your brain. I, well, how I use my brain. OK. I also said, by the way, as, you know, as a Jewish guy, I said that 98 percent of people that eat matzah actually think that the world is round. So, so, <laughs> so it's OK. Yeah. Um, well, one other thing I want to bring up about account based marketing. I don't know if you hear this, so I'm kind of be interested in your take on it. But I think that what gets overlooked a lot is the idea that account-based marketing is really there for what we talk about, this land and expand strategy. Um, And kind of you alluded to it here in like General Mills, you know, like thinking about the digital water coolers and popping your head into different people's offices. But, you know, we see that in CPG world a lot with category managers um, and they move too. (laughs) They move around to different spots. But one of the things that I have heard a lot about is, um, you know, people kind of using account-based marketing to go after, oh, I got to go after this new logo. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, it's very possible that all the business you ever need is already in your portfolio, but account-based marketing could also be used to expand business through those relationships, through the account relationships. So are you hearing anything like that, Peter? Oh, I think you have to, you know, you, uh, we sit here with our LinkedIn network of 4,000 people. And I have to say, I mean, I never go in and really study it. I should. Uh, What's it called? Sales Navigator, which is the LinkedIn tool. So I recommend agencies uh, at least test it out, right? And all of a sudden you realize that you know people at almost every company in the world somehow, and they may be only a second generation person. But one of the least used tools, unfortunately, is asking somebody on LinkedIn to make a introduction for you. 
Right. I mean, this right. is this is not tough stuff. <laughs> and, you know, people are nice. They may not do it the first time you ask, but they'll do it the second time. I, I find that actually, uh, you know, we know this, there's that old rule about six touches. Um, uh, you know, there's a, some, uh, unfortunately, most of the incoming I, I get is really not well targeted to me and doesn't satisfy a need. Um, if it satisfies, uh, satisfies a need, I will pay attention. And that's what agencies should do with their marketing. But we also know that you need to do a few touches sometime to just break through the person's head. I, there, there have been times where I said, I give up, I will talk to you. All right. I don't, I don't think I don't recommend that as a strategy, but it works, right? <laughs> it, uh, I, you know, uh, okay, let's talk. And you frankly, you know, you know, sometimes when that happens, that's, that's how you meet that ideal customer. Right. They didn't know it at the time. You can't count on them to know that they want to talk to you. So you could be terribly persistent or more to your point, what you were saying earlier, you could also take the time to build these relationships by maybe finding things that are of interest to them, thinking a little bit outside of our own world and saying, what, what kind of pain are they in? Or what are they, oh, sure. what are they dealing with right now? And let me send them an interesting article about this growth hacking strategy, or let me send them some, you know, basically showing you care because you're right. And in general, people are nice. And especially in the professional world, if you're very clear about what you need, and if you are a giving person and can actually, you know, build that relationship, some, they are, they can advocate for you. And I, I don't, I don't find it to be terribly hard, but it is something that people have to be terribly sold out to and they have to be, um, and they have to be willing to put in some of the time, frankly. Yeah. Well, here's, here's one thing I wanted to address. Um, how do you reach people? Okay. Mm. So we know about email. We know about these unfortunate, the barrage of LinkedIn. uh, I want to know you messages that we get every day. I mean, it's incredible to me how many I get from all over the world, of course. However, I'll talk about a couple of things that I think really work. And I've maybe pitched them to agencies over time. I'm not sure that they listen to me. One is paper. And we could argue the point about paper, but why not send them a zine, Z-I-N-E? We all know what those are. Another one that I love is the number 10 envelope. I mean, when was the last time you got a piece of mail? Um, And now that people are collecting mail from their office, their main office, you can send it to them. How about the telephone? This was really a great one uh, from the olden days where I would leave after hours voicemail messages. Okay, not to their cell phone. And I know this complicates things these days, uh, but it works. Uh, Write a book. You know, I mean, there are a lot of ways to get people's attention. And um, sometimes you have to do them all because you don't know what works. When mm-hmm. I when I started to do business development for Saatchi, I called up Jonathan Bond, who owned an agency in New York, Kirshenbaum and Bond, and I said, "What what works in business development?" And he said, "I don't know, so I do everything." Now, today with data, we all say, "Well, we're going to really know what works because we have the data." But you know what? You don't know what works. And I'm not saying do everything. I'm just saying uh, try everything. Take a year, try it all, see what works, and repeat. What do they call it? Rinse and repeat? Something rinse like that. Rinse and lather, rinse, repeat. Right. <laughs> well, that, like to that end, you know, one of the things that comes up in my world all the time is people who go to conferences. And I, I do believe that oftentimes people overspend going to conferences because it's 
oftentimes becomes, you know, what, what, what the team is doing. And then we've had years where nobody's going to conferences, right? So we're going to be seeing, you know, where the appetite is for that. But just as with that, or with like picking up a, you know, a number 10 envelope, there has to be some effort there. And I think that when sometimes we get put in these places where some of the effort is being done for us, we assume that it is going to just work. And I see people waste so much money on conferences um, you know, it's, it's crazy painful, but conferences for us are probably one of the biggest returns on investment. And so to me, there's this like total conundrum, but I don't think it's about conferences or not conferences to me. That's like irrelevant. That can happen with one person. One company happens to be working one way or have, you know, happen to be able to get on a lot of stages. Okay. Well, that works for us. I don't think conferences are the answer. I think the answer is the approach that people take to it. Like we work three months before that happens. We work three weeks, three weeks before it. We follow up with everybody that we, you know, connected with. We connected with every single speaker that was going to be there on social media before we got there and talked with them and chitty chatted with them about what they were going to talk about, you know? So to me, it's not really about the conferences or about the email or about any of these other kind of tactics. It's about one of my favorite phrases, which is, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. If you're going to truly approach it and say, I'm going to take the time, make the effort and be strategic and not just tick it off the box and get it done then we're going to actually see some results. And I think that's what comes directly into agreement with account-based um, marketing, because when you set up as a company that we're going to go into ABM, you have to actually start codifying things and you have to write some things down and you have to share it with the team. And that sadly, as you know, Peter, is not happening at a majority of businesses or agencies. It's just kind of out there in a, the nebulous blob. The team approached the alignment of everybody in the organization to understand. And I unfortunately used to say this, well, it worked for me. I would, I would, we'd have our meeting, let's, let's say once a week. And I would say, okay, guys, we're all in business development, whether we like it or not, because if we don't win new accounts, you're going to lose your job and you're going to starve. You know, I, I tried to bring it as they say, bring it home, bring it home. See, I thought that what would really hit it more at home for agencies was to say, and also the champagne cart will not come through on Thursdays. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. No more. uh, uh, The biggest mistake I ever made with my agency is I bought a ping pong table. Mm -hmm. And the reason it was a mistake was I, I I could hear people not working. (laughs) So that was here. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to recommend a book. Um, it's a great title. It's called Nobody Wants to Read Your Shit. It's, a fa- it's written by an ex-advertising guy. He's written a couple of books like this. It's Steve Pressfield. Nobody Wants to Read Your Shit. And what, what he, so the premise of the book is nobody wants to read your stuff. And of course, the answer and the, the value of the book is that he talks about how to actually write things or have insights that people want to pay attention to. Mm. And uh, I, it's one of those books, I'm going to lie and say I read it once a year. I don't. I probably read it a couple of times. But it's, it's worth the Amazon uh, price. <laughs> because, because this is what we all sometimes think is that we're writing all this stuff and who cares? Right, right. And the thing is, is that if, if we don't care about it, I mean, we, 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 we just have to stop. So one thing I want to bring back one word that you brought up at the yes. very beginning about um, being ignorable 
or being unignorable. Unignorable. (laughs) You know, this idea of like so much of what is being written out there is ignorable. And the, the, the drive to being unignorable is a very different path. And I know that, you know, your, your clients look to you to say, look, how can we try this being unignorable. (laughs) Like, what is this going to look like? What is it going to feel like? So just really as a big thank you. And I got to tell you that last book recommendation you gave me, I guarantee you, I will read that this weekend. (laughs) I'm just telling you right now, that's right up my alley. Uh, But just as a thank you, Peter, I love having you on. You have so much experience. You've helped me so much in my agency growth. And I know that my audience really appreciates just your candor, but tell everybody just a little bit about what you do. What is a perfect client for you? And just for me as a thank you, you know, for spending your time and and sharing these thoughts, how can people find you? And how can people find your book? Well, they can find the book. Uh, it's called The Levitan Pitch. Keep it simple. Uh, that's on Amazon. And so that's number one. Number two, you find me by going to Peter Levitan, L-E-V-I-T-A-N.com. That is my website. Um, uh, with lots of blog posts, um, I'm, uh, I'm going to write soon about uh, a way to gang your blog posts so that people actually don't have to be uh, read you linearly. Can you say that word? In a linear, yeah, 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 something <laughs> like that. Um, anyway, the bottom line is uh, I work with, I generally work with small to medium sized agencies. The big boys don't want to talk to me because they won't admit that they don't have their shit together. I mean, it's just how it works. And believe me, I worked at the world's largest agency. So I understand that. Um, I help agencies plan their business development program plan and run it. So it actually gets run. So many things are a great idea until they actually get run. (laughs) Right. Peter, thank you so much for taking your time and I hope to see you soon. And I'll be um, up to see you. Okay. And how is your Spanish real quick? My Spanish is, (laughs) uh, uh, small. Okay. Very small Spanish. If you said, come see, come saw, I was going to say, you know what? (laughs) We're really hurting here. (laughs) No. Awesome. From all of us here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.